I'm Jim Goldgeier, Robert Bosch Senior Visiting Fellow at Brookings and Professor of International Relations at American University, where I co-direct Bridging the Gap, an initiative funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Frankel Family Foundation, geared toward generating scholarship that informs public and policy audiences. As part of that work, I co-edited the Bridging the Gap book series with Oxford University Press. And for this conversation, I'm joined by Rupal Mehta, newly tenured at the University of Nebraska, yay, Rupal, and author of a 2020 book in our series, Delaying Doomsday, The Politics of Nuclear Reversal. So Rupal, when I first read your manuscript, I was just stunned by how many countries had started down the nuclear path and then abandoned their programs. I, I just had no idea. Can you say a few words about that? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Jim, both for your support of my manuscript and also uh, for the, the recent news. Yeah, this was actually one of the most surprising things that a lot of people think about when they first hear about the book and about this puzzle, which is, man, that's a lot more than I expected. And I actually think that's why this story is so compelling. Much of foreign policy is about the failures or the, the weaknesses or the limitations in influence and coercion or even in deterrence. But this is actually uh, somewhat optimistically a, a bright side or a silver lining or one of the things that we can really commend about U.S. foreign policies since 1945. We've done a pretty excellent job at incentivizing countries that have started nuclear weapons programs not to uh, not to continue their programs and not to ultimately get nuclear weapons um, in their countries. And what from the work that you did for this, what are three lessons that you draw from the experiences of nuclear reversal that are helpful to policymakers who work on nonproliferation? Yeah, this is a this is an important question. And I imagine that as we continue to see interest in nuclear weapons, interest in nuclear technology, some of the lessons from my work and some of the other more recent studies are going to be important for policymakers is to sort of look at the horizon of potential proliferators. I guess the first and most important lesson is that this is stoppable. This is not a foregone conclusion. We have tools, we have policy levers, we have experience, we have uh, personnel, people that can actually help um, stop these weapons programs. And we've done a pretty effective job at that in the past. Um, so I guess from the policymaker standpoint, we can't lose hope if we, we start to see another country uh, pursue or be interested in nuclear technology. One of the other key lessons that I think comes from the book and from my own research um, in, in other outlets is that uh, some of the tools that we rhetorically think about or that we, we bandy about in policy circles or in other conversations like the use of military force or economic sanctions, not only are they not effective when they're used on their own, but they actually can have a uh, a, a negative or a counterintuitive implication, which is it actually can increase the likelihood that states continue their weapons programs. That's not only surprising to a lot of policymakers and, and scholars and analysts, but I think it, it really highlights the need for a more exhaustive, more analytical, and often tailored approach to pursuing some of these strategies when looking at nuclear weapons uh, states or potential nuclear weapons states. And I guess lastly, uh, the third thing I would suggest is that, or, or sort of recommend for policymakers, is that there's no one-size-fits-all approach to dealing with these countries. Each of these states that have pursued nuclear weapons in the past have done so for a variety of reasons. And thus, when we're trying to figure out how to incentivize nuclear reversal or to get them to stop their nuclear weapons program, 
sort of have to take into account some of that history and identify what specific levers, what specific tools are going to be most effective for them. Um, and it won't always be the same thing. I think the approach that we use in Iran is going to be markedly different than the approach we use in North Korea and some of the other countries that we have helped uh, incentivize their nuclear approach in the past, like Sweden or Australia or even uh, Egypt. They're all going to be slightly different as we need to take those uh, sort of divergent approaches into account. Yeah, you mentioned some of these cases, as I as I mentioned at the outset, you know, I was so shocked when I when I read the manuscript initially and thought, wow, all these cases. I mean, I, I sort of remembered Sweden, but um, Egypt, Algeria. I mean, there were just all these cases where countries had started down a path and then did not continue or where the programs were, were reversed or eliminated. What was the, of all the cases you've looked at, like what was the most surprising one? Oh, that's a great question. I think there's a, a couple that stick out. Um, the Swedish case is one of the most surprising. It was one of the earliest adopters of nuclear technology, had lots of sort of political statements about the, the power of nuclear weapons, but then was ultimately convinced that they didn't uh, they didn't want to go down that path, especially if it was going to raise the ire of the U.S. I think another surprising, but for slightly different reasons, is the Libya case where Gaddafi managed to keep a decades-long program that was unsuccessful. So there's a lot of variation, a really interesting nuance that comes from studying this. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts about this manuscript is we learn a lot about the world and learn about history from looking at these wide range of almost 25 cases over time that had been incentivized to actually stop their programs and have remained on nuclear since then. Well, it's an amazing book, and I'm really excited that we're going to have an extended conversation on July 30th with Scott Sagan and Debak Das. So I hope people will be able to join us then. Thanks so much, RuPaul. Thanks.